0: A school teacher injured his back and had to wear a plaster cast around the upper part of his body. It fit under his shirt, so it wasn't noticeable. But On the first day of term, he had learned that he had a difficult class to deal with. But he, he walked into the room. He just kind of breezed in very confidently, and he opened the window and started to do some work over by the window. Well, a a big breeze did come in, and it made his tie blow a little bit. So he went to his desk, and he got the stapler, and he stapled the tie to his shirt. (laughs) And the students didn't give him any trouble that semester. (laughs) Well, why? In a creative way, the teacher had testified to the strength that lay below his surface. When the students saw it, they were as fearful as the, at, of the teacher as he had hoped they would be. Ann Landers reportedly received an average of 10,000 letters each month. And when she was asked what, if, if there was an overarching theme or what theme came through most of them, she said, the one problem above all others seems to be fear People are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, and their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. Jesus might say that fear governs our lives because we do not trust in the overarching promises of God. He's talking with people in the temple The temple, I think we cannot even comprehend how beautiful it was. Josephus, an early historian, described the exterior of the temple being covered on all sides with massive plates of gold so that the sun was no sooner up than it radiated so fiery a flash that persons straining to look at it were compelled to avert their eyes as from the solar rays. So Luke tells us that Jesus and others were inside this temple and as some were admiring the beauty of the building, Jesus tells them that the day will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Well, of course, that provoked shock in the disciples and it can provoke fear in us as well as we think about all you know the beauty of this building and all that we have worked for uh, over the last 117 years practically as a congregation and 80 plus years in this building, a pile of rubble, that's kind of scary. Now we've seen piles of rubble. We see them when a building comes down. We saw when we had our parking lot put in and those cotton mill buildings came down. The maple shades apartments come to mind, too. There was a picture of that in the paper. The excavators digging into them, tearing them down to rubble. It's kind of scary. Jesus gives his disciples a way to assuage their fears and ours. Be prepared, he tells them, like the Boy Scouts tell us. Like the American Red Cross tells us, be prepared. And as people of faith, that can be our motto as well. Jesus warns us that these things are likely to happen. Besides the natural things like earthquakes, famines, drought, and of course, unfortunately, natural wars, there are trials specific to people of faith that lie ahead. And yet, Jesus does not invite us to endure trials that he himself was not willing to endure. So, how might we better prepare ourselves for those trials that face us? How might Calvary Church prepare us? Though we use this building, we are not this building we the church are the people remember <laughs> open the door see all the people but we're the this is the church right inside if this congregation lived in a different building in the suburbs or in a different city or if we met in a high school auditorium we would still be the same church we would still be the same people with the same musical preferences with the same Personality with the same quirks. Are we prepared? If we want to move forward in this space or any other, we need to move beyond our fears. We need to move beyond our fears of the end times, our fears of the future. In the past, people came to church buildings. That was the place to go. Now the church has to turn inside out. If you think about it, we need to not expect all these people to flock here like they did in the 40s and 50s. We need to go to them and tell them about the good news we know. This anonymous quote sticks in my craw. The church is always one generation away from extinction. Do you hear that? If we, the church, don't create the next generation of church, then it will be extinct. We have fears, though. And yet, again, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do, he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was arrested. He was hated by many. He was put to death because of his beliefs and actions and words. And yet, even knowing all that was happening, like a beautiful ballet, Jesus followed through to the end, even though it took work and even though it was painful. Some of the trials that Jesus lists for us foreshadow the trials faced by the disciples. We read about them later in the book of Acts. Persecution, hatred, all that. Are we willing to do the same? That's what we need to come back and ask ourselves. Are we willing to follow Jesus with the same discipline that his early disciples did? We go through trials. And then what do we do? Do we keep them to ourselves? Do we hope nobody will notice? Do we just try to keep smiling and saying, oh, we'll be okay, I'll be okay, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. (laughs) I will be. And yet inside we've got all this stuff going on because we're hurting. Because we are going through trials and pain. Jesus calls us to testify, even to the pain, to tell others what we are experiencing. It provides healing for ourselves and healing for those who hear our testimonies. Several weeks ago, Newsweek had an article by Geraldine Ferraro, who has had cancer for several years, and for several years she didn't let anybody know about it. But then one of her family members invited her to testify before a national committee about health care. And she did. She closed the article by saying, The worst thing I could have done was to keep silent. A young woman went through a horrifying experience of being raped. And yet while it was happening, she had the sense that Jesus was in the room with her, crying, suffering with her through that ordeal. She could have chosen to remain silent about it. And yet following her rape, she made herself available to other rape victims to be able for them to talk about it and cry about it and scream about the pain and injustice that they had experienced. And while she did that, as she listened, she was also able to testify to the power of the God who was present with her and suffering with her through that difficult situation. Our trials, Jesus tells us, our trials give us an opportunity to testify to the power and the love and the strength of the God who has given us our life and everything we have. Sometimes we have to pray ourselves beyond our fears. And then we can find the courage to speak about our faith. But still, questions will come from others, probably. Now, I had to throw this in. Some of the judicial, some people who were on a judicial stand heard these questions from attorneys. Now, doctor, isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, he doesn't know about it until the next morning? The youngest son, the 20-year-old, how old is he? Were you present when your picture was taken? Were you alone or by yourself? How far apart were the vehicles at the time of the collision? You were there until the time you left. Is that true? Well, our questions will be harder. But Jesus promises to give us the words and the wisdom that none of our opponents can contradict. How can someone contradict our own stories, our own experiences, really? We tell them our experience about how God has been active in our lives, and they can't contradict that. Because it's ours. What they can do, probably, is wish for that same experience. But even though our words may incur the persecution about which Jesus speaks, his promise also is that in the end, we will not perish. We will gain our souls. In the short term, and our society is pretty much about the short term. But we definitely treasure our friends and our family members. We think about the short term much more easily than we do the long term. Do we treasure our souls? The gift of our souls for eternity will be more wonderful than the fleeting acceptance of our friends. Jesus says, talk about it. Talk about your faith. This Thursday's holiday gives us a great excuse to talk about our faith with others, to talk about the gifts that we have experienced, that we have seen God giving to us. Now, you can make others go first. You can be the first one to ask the question around the table. What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? What has God given to you? What have you seen? Then be prepared To tell them something for which you're thankful. Something God has done for you. Talk about it around the TV set during commercials. Man, I'm thankful to God to be sitting here with you guys. How about them cowboys? I know, guys, that's hard. And then, of course, grief is in the background of many family gatherings at the holidays. And especially this year, we've had, we at this church have had more than our share. It's okay to testify to that too. Know that. How much you miss that person at your table. And it's going to be painful, but perhaps can be healing as well. As the spirit of that person joins you in that great cloud of witnesses in thanking God for life and for you and for God. Our trials give us the opportunity to testify about how active God has been in our lives. We're on the witness stand. What will you say? Tell the truth, Jesus says, without fear. Let's pray. Hear our prayer, O God, for boldness, for bright eyes for hope, for wisdom, and for your words that will strengthen us and guide others closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.